Welcome. This is not your average musician podcast with me, Isaac Hernandez, and the devout Dalton McLaughlin. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Just clearly devoted to life. Devoted to the podcast because uh, Dalton Dalton held it held it up and uh... Devote, devoted to bothering Isaac way more than I need to do. <laughs> on, on vacation, non vacation. No, it's all good. Dalton, I got to give him credit. He held it down. Well, I took my little my little break, my vacation. And speaking uh, of which, what what was the highlight? So you came back from where in Mexico were you? I was in the like the I Cancun. I got family in Cancun, but then I like ran a car and I was uh, like all over the place. So I was in like Playa Tulum, and then I went to Merida and like some place like a lot of small towns in between, and just chilling, you know, hanging out, getting ready for the wedding. Eating a lot of tacos. I'm tacoed out, if you could believe that. <laughs> what? Yeah, I got back. Like, Dalton knows I eat Mexican food, like a Mexican, like pretty consistently. But then I got, we got back uh, with Jess and I. And the first night I was like, dude, I need something. I can't eat more. I can't eat more rice. <laughs> and then we went to get like ramen. And it was like amazing. I was like, oh, man, I, I did miss New York. And I was like, you know, one of the things that people always say, like, oh, you know, the food. And I was like, oh, it's all right. But like this time when I came back, I was like, damn, where can you go find world class uh, <laughs> ramen at like 10, at like 9 p.m. on a Saturday, you know, and took a little drive. And, and there we were, man. But no, it was awesome, dude. What about you? What's what's been going? Chilling. Um, yeah. Yeah. Went to a friend's wedding. I'm going to another wedding in a couple. I got your wedding eventually you too. Wedding, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got a lot of weddings to go to. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. Um, I had to hang out in a tuxedo in like 103 degree weather, which means I was very sweaty. But I did it. We all yeah, did it. That's um, and what else? I'm I'm practicing my guitar pieces again. Ooh, getting so, ready. Yeah, I want to make some YouTube videos again. I just need to uh, find trusted people, perhaps yeah. on the West Coast. I was checking out flights. I was like yeah. talking to our guy, Rob, who made my previous videos. And a flight to New York was like 800 bucks. Oh, I'm God. Like, Why? This is Plus, a bunch of BS. Yeah. And you're like, wait, they got people with cameras here, don't they? Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's people with yeah, cameras <laughs> and audio. And, and your, uh, just, uh, your videos are not that hard to make no. so like you just need to know what you're doing ba some basic stuff you know they're they're hard enough to make where i can't make them <laughs> um but i'm but sure you, fo you focus on the guitar playing that's what you got yeah i just I, I practice and i make sure it sounds good and then somebody makes it look pretty and yeah sound pretty and cool cuts, does the editing because you know yeah dalton versus uh reaper is <laughs> It's not. It's not a good battle. It's a battle you know, I don't you know win. Who, you know who does Reaper tutorials on YouTube? Oh, uh, your you, boy. Right? <laughs> that was completely unintentional. But yeah, if any, oh, oh, man, if any of you uh, use uh, Reaper, which is the best doll out there, hands down, uh, check out Isaac Hernandez on YouTube, and that's that's what I do. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, today we have a great guest. It's, we're kind of rolling back. We're kind of getting. Uh, you know, stretching the stiff, mus the, tr the stiff podcast muscles that we haven't used in a couple of weeks. 
And we're starting off with a really, really cool guest. Uh, I feel like I say that every time, but we have a lot of cool people on. Uh, Ryan Devlin, he's from, I believe, Orlando, Florida. Correct yep. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And he's a jazz uh, saxophonist. And, yeah, and um, I think yeah. I think he's our first saxophone player. I could be wrong. He's, I want to uh, no. say he is. We had uh, uh, Drew. Remember Drew Coles? He played, oh, yes, he's a yes. sax player. But he's in I, New York. It, it got overshadowed because I we talked been about a, Columbia yeah. so much with him. But yeah, you're right. He is our second saxophonist. Yeah. Um, um, but he he's uh yeah cool cool dude man. He's got uh he he's getting into his grad program, so he's making moves soon and stuff like that. But he's and he pretty plays golf. Oh uh, yeah, he plays. He, yeah, Dalton was happy about that. But it was all other than that, it was a really great interview. You know, we had some standard uh questions or that have now become standard procedure here in the podcast that i really love these answers that we get because you know sometimes they're similar a lot of time but each with their own take sometimes it's the same we get the same thing but with a different take on it and you know it's that's one of my favorite things about this podcast is like i, I love talking to musicians man i don't know about you but i feel like uh like i'm at the lobby of the nyc guitar school or something like that and you're just chilling with uh the colleagues or you're like at the practice rooms getting water you know and then you're just chilling with the homies yeah chilling with the homies um but without further ado i think we should get going with the podcast great and now i would like to welcome ryan devlin on the podcast how's it going man good man how are you Good, good. Thank you. Thanks again for taking the time to come on and talk to us a little bit about your uh, your saxophone adventures and such. Um, why don't we get started by you telling us like who you are and you know what you're about? Yeah. So uh, thanks for having me on. This is, this is a cool thing to do. Uh, I am a saxophone player, mainly playing tenor saxophone. Uh, living in uh, Orlando, Florida. Moving to Boston soon here. Uh, and yeah, I just, I'm a, mainly a jazz player. Uh, I teach, I teach saxophone, you know, uh, my dad and I have a teaching studio down here called Devlin Music Studio. Uh, so teaching is important to me. Uh, <clears throat> I went to the University of Central Florida for my bachelor's degree, um, and, and studied under, uh, Jeff Rupert, uh, for three years. And, uh, I'm also a student of, uh, Chad Lefkowitz Browns. I took, uh, I think three years or two years of lessons with him when I was in like uh, high school and, and earlier college. And yeah, I just uh, recorded my first album uh, last year. It's out. Uh, it's called Thoughts on the Matter. It's out on all the platforms and stuff. Uh, recorded that here in Orlando uh, with um, Ulysses Owens Jr. on drums, uh, you know, fantastic Grammy award winning drummer. Uh, and uh, a couple people from down here in Florida, Thomas Milbeck on bass. Uh, uh, Perry Danielson on, on piano, who's a professor at UCF. Uh, and yeah, I'm just kind of down here <clears throat> gigging a little bit and teaching until I move out to Boston in August. So, yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, what, what, what's prompting the move to Boston, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. Yeah. So I got into uh, New England Conservatory uh, for my grad school. Uh, so I'm going up there for that. But also, you know, I have some uh other opportunities up there i i'm partnered I'm an, I'm an endorsed artist by the boston sack shop company um so you know more of an opportunity to work for them and, and do stuff up there but it, the mainly the move is for uh for school awesome what's going to be the declared major up there 
Uh, just jazz studies, you know, uh, just a performance degree. I, I, I'm, I'm there basically to learn everything from Jerry Berganzi as I can. So, you know. Check, check. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool stuff. Uh, something we like to ask people on the podcast is music can be an intense career. There can be lots of ups and downs. So we always like asking, what is the motivation factor that has kept you going this far and keeps you going? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think sometimes it changes. <clears throat> you know, like when I was uh, when I was younger, my, my dad plays saxophone. So when I was younger, it was like, I, I think I just kind of wanted to be like my dad. Um, and, you know, he played at Disney for a lot of years. That's why he was down here. Uh, so, you know, going and seeing my dad like play at Disney World was like really cool. And, and um, uh, so that was a big motivation for me. And then as I got older and had my own opinions on things and and got into jazz and stuff it's like nowadays it's 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 me listening to my favorite players and just being like man i want to get as close to them as i can you know um whether it's coltrane or or michael brecker or whoever i'm listening to like i it's just very inspiring to me and and my life is is basically just listening to those records over and over again and <laughs> trying to trying to get as close as i can to it um and yeah and you know the people you meet in in this industry is you know in my small career so far in this industry is really really cool and um yeah so i guess it, it kind of changes but those are my my main sources of 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 that yeah man strong strong driving forces and i know you mentioned uh your dad's a musician is he also yeah. a saxophone uh yeah 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 he plays uh, all the saxophones uh he played bass saxophone at disney in the in the saxophone quartet they had on on main street at magic kingdom uh, but yeah, he plays, he plays all of them and he doubles too. He's a really good clarinet and flute player too. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And can you tell us about what it was like growing up with, you know, such a strong musical, because obviously he's an act, very active and that's mm -hmm. a really cool gig to have. So what was that like? Uh, you know, can you maybe give us some things about your growing up that your dad put you onto and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was little, I kind of showed interest in it in music in general, not really saxophone. And my parents uh, decided to put me into piano, you know, to kind of learn how to read music and fundamentals and stuff. So I was really into piano and really liked piano. Uh, and having my dad teach a lot at the house, we had students over all the time. And I kind of thought, I think when I was younger, that they were just like my friends that would come over to the house, you know, because they were like all these older kids that, you know, would just sit around and wait for lessons or whatever. And so that was a very different thing. Like, there was always some type of music playing, you know, live at the house, like students or my dad practicing or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, going to see him at gigs that he would have, you know, like with big bands and, and rock bands, like he played with cheap trick on new year's Eve one year. It was pretty cool. Um, you know, like, uh, like those, those things that like you just wouldn't have if your dad didn't play saxophone at a high level. Um, so it was like, it, it was just one, one day I just kind of asked him, you know, like to play, if I could play saxophone, he was like, yeah, sure. And then it's just, I just got addicted to it. Cause I wanted, I, I I'm a very competitive person and I just wanted to be better than him. That was like always my goal. It's like, how can I be better? How can I play faster than dad? How can I do all this and that? And so it just kind of turned into that. And then it turned into a very genuine love for the music and everything like that. But yeah, I, if it wasn't for him, I definitely wouldn't be doing this. So that's, that's so cool, man. And um, tell, you mentioned your, your debut album, right? Thoughts on the matter. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's such a big endeavor, 
you know, always, yeah. but especially nowadays, you know, and I know a lot of guys get up from underground like, oh, I got to put out an album. Can you tell us about the work kind of that, that went into that, you know, here and there um, and, and anything you'd like to share about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I got really lucky. Um, one of the positive things that came out of the pandemic was a lot of, uh, of time. And, and uh, I, I was friends with uh, the owner of this, uh, this performance venue in Orlando called Timaqua Arts, right? And uh, I was family friends with him for a really long time when I was a, a little kid. Like him, his youngest son and me are like right around the same age. So we were like in like these little play groups together, like, you know, social groups for moms and dads and kids to get kind of in the same area. And he lived in, in the same community as me. And then they all moved away and we kind of like lost touch as far as like family friends go. And so he moved to this house where he built a performing arts center in his home. Uh, and like all of these major artists have come, like Seamus Blake has come and play. Like he's had like some crazy high up there artists come and play. And so, you know, we, uh, we have a mutual like besides music in golf. And so we started golfing a lot together during the pandemic, like, like once, twice, three times a week. And, you know, like we really could be coming back. And he's like in his, he's in his, late fifties, early sixties. And like, we're like best friends. And, um, yeah, which is, which is, which is really cool. And so one day he was, we were golfing and Ulysses was coming into town to play at his venue. And, you know, I'm a, I was always a big fan of him and Ulysses was doing a masterclass series and he needed a horn player. And we were out golfing and, and Benoit asked if I would do it. And I was like, oh, of course I'll do anything for that. And, you know, it's during the pandemic. So I didn't really have a lot going on. There was no in-person school. It was nothing. And, you know, like, he's like, okay, you got to wear your mask. You got to go in here and do all this stuff. And I was like, that's fine. And I got to play with Ulysses and meet him. And, you know, he's very gracious and, and asked me to come and sit in on his gig that he had at Timbuktu. Uh, and then during this time, I, I was really trying to figure out a way to get my first album out there because I, it was my goal to get one out before I graduated college, like with my bachelor's. And so it all kind of came into this thing. Like I was talking to Ulysses about it and I said, Hey, you know, I'm really looking to do this project, you know, coming up before I graduate. And Ulysses has his own record label. And he asked, he's like, Hey, you know, if you ever want anything and he's, and then he offered to play on it. And I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> this can't be real. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got a date at Timaqua and um, I decided to do a live album First of all, because it's a little cheaper because you can sell tickets for your live album, you know, um, and the music was very uh, I wrote it, you know, very emotionally. And and because um, uh, I, I was going through the loss of my mom in, in 20. She passed in December of 2019. So I was writing a lot with these emotions and it's kind of open, improvised music a little bit. You know, it's very like Coltrane, that kind of style. So, you know, I mean, when it comes to that stuff, the, the heads weren't very hard. So it was, it was a lot of improvised based things and all, almost always the first take is going to be better, you know, when it comes to those improv tunes for the most part. So I was like, you know what, we're going to do this as a live. I don't want any second takes. I don't want any to overdubs. I just want everything to be organic. And it, it we sold out the place. I mean, COVID sold out, but um, we had a, an audience there and it, and it was really beautiful and it was really cool. And it's gotten, you know, pretty good reviews, which I mean, doesn't really matter that much, I guess. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. Obviously I'm, I'm excited to do another one so I can <laughs> not make as many mistakes. Um, but I don't think I'm ever going to be happy with anything, you know, fully. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was really a product of just everything kind of coming together and, um, 
being at the right time, right place, right time and that kind of thing. So I'm very, I'm very thankful that it all came together that way. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And I think done in a true, like uh, old fashioned way with just uh, one take. And there's something to be said when you get in the studio with like amazing guys, right? And you're like, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you know, it's not, well, one, it's not going to fall apart and two, probably right. something amazing is going to happen in there. Yeah, it was um, cool because yesterday, mm -hmm. I don't mean to interrupt, but yesterday mm -hmm. I was in the studio, uh, in the in a studio, not a live thing, uh, at uh, this studio here recording my one of my friends, who's, he's played guitar, guitar uh, his first album, and he's doing it like in the studio, and I, you know, as I was thinking back, like, you know, because he's like recording it, recording like a couple takes, going back, and then he has to decide which take, and I was like, man, I don't even know if I could even do that, because it's like, what if like one of the takes you listen back after you release and like, Oh man, this is way better than this. You know, it's like, I'll have to deal with that later on, you know? But um, yeah, I'm kind of glad that it was a, uh, it was alive, you know, so I didn't even have to worry about any of that stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, it's always hard when you're uh, not doing something live and you play it a bunch of times and do like all the different angles and try mm -hmm. different things. And then you get yeah. in your head, you're like, am I getting worse at this right. like, music or like does yeah. it sound different or look different and it it gets all in your head and mm. speaking about getting in your head you said a, a word that I like a lot which is golf and how <laughs> on a, a side note how is golf in Orlando ish it's area? great yeah I actually um I Tuesdays are my golf and teaching days so I, I'm actually I'm coming from the golf course to go teach and that's why I'm in my car uh but you know, it's, it's cool. It, it gets very touristy in the summer. So like some of the courses are, are, uh, really packed, especially in the afternoons. Um, so, you know, weekdays are the best, but I mean, the courses here are really, really nice. And it, it stays really green there. Cause like in California, uh, right. unless you're playing like Torrey Pines, which is, yeah. you know, like yeah. yeah, world, world class, um, Lots uh -huh. of the courses get kind of brown because it's right. hot and dry. But yep. in Florida, you guys have rain. Yeah, right? it gets, so your courses stay green. They get green. Sometimes they get like soupy, like really wet, mm. like to the point where it's like you can't even put the carts on the fairways because it it gets so it gets so wet. Dang! And you, do you see do you see uh, crocodiles or alligators? Oh, the all the time, dude! All the time. Like the other day, we were out and my buddy's ball went into the like. Like this was like a kind of like a dried up lake and right on the bank, there was this like seven foot alligator just sitting on the bank right next to this wall. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hey, I bet you, you won't go down and hit that. He's like, nope, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I'm, I, I've been living here for 24 years and I, I'm, I'm just used to it now. That sounds so. crazy. That sounds crazy to me, but you know, mm -hmm. I, guess, yeah. I guess you can get used to a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I live right next to this place called Gatorland. It's like in Orlando, Florida. And it's like, I've been going there since I was a little kid. It's like all of like, they have, it's basically like a gator farm sort of deal. And they have some of these dudes that are like 25 feet long and like weigh like 400 pounds. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all, 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 only in Florida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only in Florida. Uh, cool. Well, yeah. Um, some something else. I I'm always curious. Um, whenever I talk to somebody in jazz world who plays like saxophone, I know you guys double a lot, and you said your dad did a little bit. I'm mm -hmm. curious, like how how important is it for doubling? Like sometimes when you go to gigs, do they expect you to just like bust out your flute or clarinet, or is it something you do? Or yeah, it kind of depends on what you what you market yourself as. You know, like uh, for me, I don't play a lot of big band gigs here. You know, I don't really play a lot of, I mean, 
to be honest, like the last year or two, I haven't really played a lot of like sideman gigs. Really, it's been a lot of just my quartet and stuff, which I'm you know thankful for. Uh, now, if you're you know doing a lot of like more like wedding bands, corporate things, or anything like that, then you know you might be expected to. Uh, I, I there's also an orchestra or a symphony down here or a philharmonic. You know, it's like the Orlando Philharmonic, and they have like a jazz series that I've played for a few times and every single double that you bring, you get an extra, you get extra bread for it, extra money for it. So, um, but because Orlando is pretty small and the scene's pretty small that like those gigs always get the same five people that already double and everything like that. So it's like kind of hard to really market yourself as someone new that wants to do that. Cause like there's already five or six, seven guys that like do it really well and been doing it forever and live here forever. You know, one of those things. Um, so it's like, yes and no, it depends on, I haven't played clarinet in a professional setting in like three years. So uh, I'm, I'm actually lucky because I, I do not like playing clarinet, but um, you know, I, I guess it depends. Cool. God, yeah, I guess you, you don't have to uh, compete with people. So they, they have it, they're doing it. And you're like, I'm just going to stick to the old tenor sax. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's a luxury and it's in, in a way, I guess. Check. And can you tell us a little bit about, the the jazz scene specifically in florida because you know like i said dalton he's from uh cali i know there's a big uh, you know i've got some friends out in la i know we're in new york obviously it's a huge jazz scene over here can you tell yeah. us what uh, a little bit about it um you know what it's like down in florida yeah yeah so um orlando has a lot of young uh college musicians because there's a, there's a good amount of colleges around here you know um I don't really know much about the Miami scene because I've never really been down there. And I don't really know much about like anything too much in Jacksonville. I have a lot of friends from Jacksonville. Uh, most of them still drive down here to gig. Um, the scene here is, is, is interesting because there's a lot of different, you know, like audiences. Like there's a, there's an audience that likes younger jazz and will support it. And then there's also like this very older retired audience that has a lot of money that only wants to hear a certain type of jazz uh and the venue owners know that so that means you know sometimes you'll kind of get pushed away for other groups because of that you know uh so you know that can be kind of a drag and then there's a lot of like coffee shops here that actually do you know like live jazz and jam session sort of deals but they, they pay terribly like um so it's like kind of one of those things where you can go out and do it and go play but, you know, it's like if you're willing to make like 50 bucks a man or even less than that, you know. So it's it, from from my point of view, it's good and bad. It's getting better, I think, because more young younger players are able to do things uh, because of people like Benoit at Timaqua, you know, allowing, you know, he, he gave me like a night and it was like, if you sell out, you know, like, we'll we'll give you more nights. And like he took a chance, you know, he did that, which was really cool. And, and that's what I think regenerates the scene is you get more people out and, hey, you know, if you can sell this night out, if you do really well in ticket sales, we'll grant you another night, you know. Um, and that, that, that's a win-win for everybody because that makes the artists promote more and that makes everybody else promote more and, and all that stuff. But there are some promoters that are, are venue people that, that owners that don't want to do that. They just want to make their money with the same people all the time and just do that thing. So it's, it's, it's cool and it's not cool. And then there's a lot of cats that have been here for so long and have been doing the same thing that, you know, when younger people want to come in and do it, there's not a lot of room to, to do that stuff, you know? Uh, and I don't know if it's going to be the same in Boston and, and up in New York and stuff, but 
um that's how it is that's how it is here at least so yeah i've heard i've heard from uh friends in boston that there's the well at least when they went there was quite a bit uh gigging up or they were like oh i was gigging all the time you know yeah. when school and stuff like that but then there's always that uh move from boston to new york where it's like uh it's just so many damn people and everybody's so yeah everybody's so damn good i know yeah. right yeah, yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm excited though i think it, it'll be cool being around people that are more like-minded because there's not mm -hmm. a lot of people around here that want to play the kind of jazz that i want to play mm. um so it'll, it'll be nicer to be around people that are more into it i think where would you categorize the i know that there is like 20 uh subcategories of jazz and just jazz is a genre so like so vast where would you categorize your the jazz that you want to play or your genre. Yeah. So I, I'm heavily influenced by, by, uh, Michael Brecker and, mm -hmm. and, and John Coltrane. So like the more of the modal side of jazz, you know, like the post 60s stuff. Um, and so that like, it's very, it's, it's almost like absolute music. It's almost like music for musicians. Uh, but one thing I've noticed is we, we've, we played a concert in Orlando at a venue that is traditionally more of an older crowd. And we played some, like, we played one free tune, like free jazz, and we played uh, a couple, like, modal Coltrane things where it got pretty stretchy. And I was nervous, like, after the first set, because there was two sets, I was like, man, we're going to lose half this audience probably because, <laughs> you know, it's half, half these people I don't know, half these people probably do not play music, you know. But the one thing is, like, and, and my girlfriend's not a musician, and she talks about this a lot, like, If, if you can hone in on the communication on the bandstand and the energy level that's created, that is something that everybody can relate to, no matter what you're playing. Because uh, an average person isn't going to really know, like, what scale you're playing. Like, oh, my God, that was such a cool pattern, man. Like, you know, no one, no one cares about that, right? And, um, and, and so, you know, I think if, if, if the band is, is communicating and, and allowing the energy to flow it, and, and, you know, do this kind of thing an audience will will stay engaged whether it's it's us playing craziness or a ballad you know what i mean yeah. um and and luckily i think our, our group did an okay job at at, at doing that and in, in, the, in the audience stayed for the second set so um it's it's i, I like all jazz like i'll listen to everything but the, but the stuff that i i love love is, is that post like 70s 80s era of, of jazz for sure Yeah, for sure. And I, that's, I hadn't thought about that because there's such a difference between like putting a record on in your room or like mm -hmm. playing it for other people. And then, like you said, the live performance, it's completely yeah. different. That's such a good point about like if you just play with conviction and obviously if you're more passionate about it, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to come across. And, you know, if you're having fun, then people like watching you are going to have fun, even like you said, even if they don't know what the hell's going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with like, like uh things that like like when i look like watch uh people paint or, or or like look at paintings at a museum it's like the same kind of thing right i'm like i don't know what the technique behind this is like you know people are like yeah i blended this color and i made it and i'm like dude like that's cool but like <laughs> i I'll, all i can see is that that's a cool painting you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's the same deal it's like no one's gonna be like man what strength read are you playing like you sound so <laughs> hollow today like you know like no one gives a shit it's like <laughs> You just, you know, you just want to, you just want to make people like emote and feel that something, something and, and be able to watch and be like, whoa, like I always try and like, it's different because my mom was always around like musicians. So she knew like when something was good and when something was bad. But for me, it's like, I want to play to the level where my girlfriend's parents can be like, wow, 
You know what I mean? Because they don't know anything about music. Like they, like they know Kenny G. Like that's about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> or you know, like like Dave Cause, like all that stuff. Which is fine. That's cool stuff. Everybody, everything serves a purpose. But like, if they can come out of a concert of mine where I'm playing like this more out stuff, and it'd be like, that was really cool. I like that. It's like, okay, well now maybe I'm doing the right thing when it comes to this stuff. You know? So. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And you you don't need anybody coming up after and saying, yo, I really liked all your whole tone scales and your dodecaphonic. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I do because a lot of my students come to my gigs and it's and it's a blessing and a curse because they'll come up and be like, man, like, is that a new read you're on? Like, you sound like, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the curse of being on Instagram and like being like uh, trying, you know, doing it, product endorsements and whatnot. It's like, that's one thing that kind of comes with it is like, you get that which is fine. Like, I'm not complaining about it at all. But for me, it's like the most important compliments are the ones that come from people that know nothing. And it's like the communicative thing and, and all that stuff. You know, the, you mentioned that because my my fiance, she's not a musician either. And uh, she listens to a lot of pop music. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like I'm talking and she grew up on pop, like she loves Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, if I play something that catches her ears, I usually that like I, I I usually play stuff for her and I'm like, what do you think about this? And then I'm just waiting for a reaction it was like, you know, just to get that different perspective as if I like show it to Dalton, you know, he's like, where's the whole tone scale, bro? You know? And yeah, then, right, like, right, 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 right. That kind of thing. It's just like, <laughs> I like that distinction that you're making between two different kind of audiences, which, you know, they're, they're both great, you know, but they're definitely yeah. Uh, different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, if, if, if you are focused more on the one of like the non-musicians, the musicians will care. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't think when, I don't think when Coltrane was recording Love Supreme and, and all, all of those later albums, like in the 60s, like Transition and all that stuff. Like, I don't think he was thinking about what Cannonball is going to think this sounds like. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he yeah. was. Like, I don't think, or whatever. I think he was playing because it's what he felt. And he was playing because he thought it, that, that, like, that's his voice. That's what he wants to show. You know, and, and Ulysses, man, like, he, he talked to me a lot about that. He's like, man, like, don't worry about what you're playing. Like, don't worry about what you're playing. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about that stuff. Worry about what the audience is thinking, man. Play the room. Play the room. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's and it's 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 something that's really changed my outlook on a lot of things and not focusing so much on, like, the technique side of music, which I think going to school can be, like, a product of, you know, going to jazz school. It's like, you know, we get all caught up in, like, all these patterns and scales and techniques and everything. It's like, that's great. And it matters, but like, it really doesn't matter that much. You yeah. need it. You need it to do the thing, but you don't need it to be all about that. And that was a big wake up call for me. Cause I was like, man, I just want to shred and play all these crazy patterns and everything. And it's like, well, you're going to sound like an etude book. If you do that, you know what I mean? You're not going to sound like you're a musician, you know? And uh, yeah, it's really changed my perspective. And it's made me like a lot more music, like a lot of different styles. Like I've, I've I appreciate a lot more different styles now because I'm not thinking like, man, this isn't harmonically cool enough. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, come yeah. on, man. You know, if it sounds good, it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. It's especially stuff that comes up on the radio and things like that. You right. know, sometimes right. it, you just need a catchy tune and a great backbeat and you're good to yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a, a nitty gritty saxophone question because <laughs> I played a little bit in high school and right. undergrad. Um, and I'm going to go into my uh, first high school teaching gig in the okay. fall. Cool. Um, the, the, the low B flat on a tenor saxophone, I just sound like a steamboat 
like the loudest <laughs> honkiest thing in the world do you have any tips for maybe me and saxophonists out there when you do get into the low range not to sound like a boat is there, yeah. is there a way to well, practice that I, I will say like you know it's good that you actually can make a sound down there because like it's better it's better to sound like a boat than not to sound like anything um but the low end, the low end of the saxophone, specifically on tenor, is kind of a is kind of a bear in in some ways. You know, it's like uh, it doesn't. Some of some of the notes are just hard to get out. Uh, but one thing that I I was doing when I was younger was I was just playing like one octave scales down there, like just the spatula keys. So like mm-hmm. low B flat up to middle B flat, B up to B, and then C. You know, um, and it was just one of those things where I would just try and play the note until I thought it sounded good. You know, not even long tones. Like I would like rearticulate the note until I was happy with it. Um, but it's weird because you know I've been playing sax now for like fourteen years or something like that, and I honestly don't even remember like the time that I was learning. You know what I mean? I, I really don't. You know. Um, but like you know, and it's and it's hard for me to just talk about it without like seeing your embouchure and like you know what what you're looking like when you're playing and stuff because it has a lot to do with posture, airflow, embouchure, recombinant. You know, all this stuff. Um, but I would just say, if you're comfortable with what you're doing, you know, always loosen up, loosen up when it comes to, you know, the low notes, you know, you don't want to pinch or else you go sharp mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I would just say loose, lots of air. And then honestly, your, your sound will probably round itself out the longer that you play, you know, it's good that you can get a low B flat out. Like that's, that's number one, you know, um, but yeah, without seeing like your embouchure and stuff, I, I can't really oh, help that much. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I know if you, uh, if you try to pinch the low notes then i've i've experienced harmonics i'm like oh That's yeah the supposed to happen mm-hmm. yeah um, no <laughs> all, all about the o when you get low yeah, right the, oh i think yep, i think any, right. any woodwind instrument really yeah for sure yeah flute too dude oh my god flute is a is a bear that's yeah oh, it's yeah. crazy now and it's you you touched upon it you're like i don't remember learning some of these things and something we like asking people is well if you could go back in time to young ryan is there anything that you would tell him about this career that you wish you would have known i would tell him keep practicing your piano you idiot because i remember when i was younger dude i did i when i started playing saxophone i was like man screw the piano like i never want to play piano again and i man i listen to so many piano piano solos and stuff where you can play chords and everything and i'm like god i wish i would have stuck with it longer i mean i I play piano like you know at at like a teacher's level like i play chords and stuff but it's not anywhere near where i would want to be so that's number one i would just say practice your piano as much as like in the same amount of time you practice your saxophone and then um you know i think everybody in high school kind of has that ego phase of their life i would I would tell myself to kind of chill out a little bit <laughs> when, when it comes to, to the egotistical side of, of, you know, cause like I, I made all County and all state like really young and I was like, well, pff, I'm hot shit, man. Like, you know, come on, I'm, I'm in sixth grade and I'm in all County and these eighth graders are in all County. So I, 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 I would tell myself to maybe chill out on that a little bit. And it never, it never stopped me from practicing because I was never happy with myself. You know what I mean? But like, I did think I was like hot shit at, at some point. So I would, I would tell myself to not think that <laughs> even though it's probably inevitable, but um, yeah. So those are my two things I would say piano and, and, and don't be a jerk. That's a, that's a solid, solid advice, whether you play saxophone or not. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 
Um, great. Right. Just to close up, can you maybe tell everybody where they can find you on the yeah. interwebs and such? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, uh, take Instagram pretty seriously. It's like my main source of, uh, social media. So I'm RFD jazz on, on Instagram. I have a website, ryandevilmusic.com. Uh, I sell my album on there and I put my upcoming shows and stuff on there. So that's a good way. And then I, I starting to upload more on YouTube you know, do that thing. It's just Ryan Devlin on YouTube uh, as far as that goes. And then my album's on all major streaming platforms. So Apple, Spotify, you know, all that stuff. So sweet, man. Well, thanks again for uh, coming on, dude. We really appreciate you taking yeah, the time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This was fun. And that was Ryan Devlin, everyone. Great interview. And especially towards the second half, I think he started dropping more, uh, more more knowledge more experiences and stuff like that man yeah i always feel like when people realize that we're uh, cool and normal <laughs> then they yeah. start opening up and giving <laughs> us uh great answers and at first they're like bro who who is isaac and dalton yeah we're on zoom you just this gotta make sure awkward. they're not like then... suspect at first and they're not some weirdos because on the internet Although we yeah, are some that, weirdos on the internet, but <laughs> but we're like cool cool weirdos on cool the internet. weirdos yeah 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 and um yeah, you guys got to check out his Instagram. Check out his album, man. It's it's burning. And one of the really cool things I liked about it is he did it like it's tough, man. Especially when we talked about like you know do, recording and doing takes and this and that. And he was like, "Dude, I'm doing a live album, and we're probably going with the first take." And I was like, "Damn, that's takes it's some balls, pressure. Bro. But it takes that's what it was gonna say. It, ta it takes balls to to do that, but really cool. And then also he saved himself from all the bullshit of like going through takes and things like that. Um, yeah. And editing and splicing things up and all that. Um, more yeah, often but, than know. not, I think that's why people get a producer. It's just to, you need a second decision maker. That's not just you who plays the mm -hmm. music. Cause that it gets, tell me if I'm you, wrong, but it, it gets really hard to call shots. And sometimes yeah, you have you, really you good get in your, you yeah, get in your head, bro. It's yeah, just man. like, sometimes you like, you start to question reality. You're just like, does that sound good? Is that what I wanted it to sound like? <laughs> you yeah, you I like hear question, that one like, little thing and you're just, it yeah. drives you insane. And then somebody else is like, that's fine. Yeah. Like, you're, you're yeah. crazy, bro. Chill out. So. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes like, I'm here like, dude, do I even know how to play guitar? <laughs> it's just like, I've been trying so much. I'm like, what am I doing? What have I done for the last like 15 years or, or whatnot? Um, but yeah, sometimes I think like we can make a huge deal, like out of tiny things that if somebody just comes in with fresh ears, you're like, dude, it's, it's fine. it's fine. Or, or sometimes even you have, you might have a great idea, but you're just not in the space and you might just overlook it and be like, oh, this is trash because for whatever reason, you're like, no, dude, that's, that's what you should be going with right now, you know, or anything or the other, you know, sometimes you have a really bad idea that you're really pumped about <laughs> and then somebody's got to tell you like, Hey, that's uh yeah, don't do that. Cut that out. For sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Um, I want to uh, thank everybody out there for, for listening. Did you have something else? I, I sorry, I had a little bit of a delay because I, I had a burp stuck in my throat. Gotcha. So it looked like I had something to say, it but did. I actually, I, was, I, I didn't. I just, I had a Red Bull burp in my throat and it was kind of, um, what is it? Not fumigating. That's the right, not the right word, but like bubbling up. Maybe fumigating. That might have been the right word. I don't know. You're the uh, thesaurus here. 
uh, on the I podcast. I have to get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, just don't call me the fumigating Dalton McLaughlin. <laughs> the fumigator Dalton McLaughlin. I'll, have, I'll, I'll literally fly out and then put you in an arm bar. Dude! Ah, so proud of you, man. Dalton is learning the moves from my thorough social media anime fight analysis from last oh, night. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but on that note, I have nothing else. Um, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, we love you, appreciate you. Um, thanks for the support. And Isaac, what, el- what else do you got, bro? That's it. Till next time.